This is a Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand podcast. Welcome back to Yokogawa Debunks, conversations with industry experts to demystify misconceptions we hear in process instrumentation and process automation. I'm your host, Sean Cowhill, and thank you for joining us today. Now, in today's episodes, we'll talk about the misconceptions surrounding pressure transmitters. With us today, we've got Tony Farah, who's Product Manager for Transmitters at Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand. Now, Tony has a wealth of experience in instrumentation and is going to help us today to debunk a few of the misconceptions around this episode and future episodes. So good morning, Tony. A pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Sean. Uh, good to uh, speak to you again. Good to have you on the podcast and, and welcome. Look, let's let's start. Um, Tony, before we delve into the uh, the myths related to transmitters, uh, look, if you could give us a little bit of a, uh, a bit about your background and experience at Yokogawa. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, I've been associated with Yokogawa for just over 30 years now. And in my travels, I've been really very fortunate in that I've been exposed to many industries ranging from food and beverage, pulp and paper, mining, chemical, petrochemical. Um, so I've, I've really had a, a really great career out in the, the instrumentation field, which has really been fantastic. That's great, Tony. So look, I mean, being exposed to all these industries, you've you've probably heard people say some rather strange and unfathomable things about uh, instrumentation, you know, making odd statements here and there. You know, I've certainly heard a few myself, and uh, and, and these are a few of the things that I wanted to discuss with you. And, and one of the first ones that I'd like to um, talk about is uh, relating to communications. So is there any truth that the 4 to 20 milliamp heart protocol is going to die soon, and that industries are sooner going to replace this protocol with two-wire Ethernet, for example? What can you tell us about that? That's an interesting statement you make there, Sean. I think that quite often people who have been exposed to simplicity of current technologies have been exposed to little more. Say, when we look at the computer technologies, there is a fresh blood coming into the system. So often people look at it and work with what they're comfortable with, and that's really where, where it's at. However, when we look at technology like Ethernet, um, that cater for uh, certain segments of the industry, that's a bit challenging in some of the situations that we find ourselves in, where people are a lot more comfortable with 4 to 20 milliamp art. It can transmit signals anywhere up to 10,000 feet, roughly 3 kilometers. Whereas when you're looking at some of the newer technologies like Ethernet, you're looking at somewhere around 200 meters, and in some cases only 100 meters. And in particular, in the mining and petrochemical industries, this is one of the challenges that they have with um, transmitting signals over long distances. And I think that's one of the bigger challenges with a protocol such as Ethernet. It's Sonny. Look, I mean, that's really good to know your opinion on this topic because we, we do see a lot of misleading information and uh, a lot of this that um, is put out on the, uh, on the Internet, um, people can very easily get taken down the wrong track. Uh, now, there seems to be a push in the industry to utilize Ethernet in general, and, and certainly on some of these instruments, you could see it be a real benefit to bring a lot of information back to plant control system or a maintenance system quite easily using this technology. But with pressure and temperature transmitters, do you, do you think there would be any real advantages to Ethernet and that it could offer over 4 to 20 milliamp and, and hearts? Well, absolutely. You know, um, in the technology of Ethernet, there's a lot of um, data that's available. However, the question then that comes up in my mind is, how much of the data are we actually going to use? 
So if you look at the heart protocol, um, there's a significant amount of diagnostics within the devices. And again, most instances, there's only really the primary parameters that are utilized. So when you have a lot of data, it's a question of how much of the data you want to use and uh, where you want to go to with it. If I just touch briefly on technologies such as Foundation Fuel Bus has been around for more than 25 years, in most of the applications globally, um, they're using the primary parameters, which has been a bit of a shame that a technology was developed where you can have anything up to 500 parameters built into a device and that the user would only use maybe two or three of the primary parameters. So I guess um, Ethernet will probably find its place, and it's a case of uh, horses for courses. Okay, thanks, Tony. Look, I mean, I, I think that sort of helps us with, with that particular um, topic. So let's move on to, uh, to a second myth that's out there. And that one is around whether there's any truth to the statement that a pressure transducer is just as good as a pressure transmitter. What do you think on that one? <laughs> you seem to come up with some really, very interesting uh, observations. <laughs> so when, when we look at it, um, you know, the pressure transducer is uh, a really simplistic pressure measuring device. And in most instances, pressure transducers have very limited amount of information. So when we consider where one would typically use some of these pressure transducers, it would be somewhere in areas where it might be non-critical applications and the measurement is purely for a primary parameter such as pressure. However, when we look at more critical applications, we need to really look at the right technology for the right application and not necessarily go for cheap as a pressure transducer would fall into that type of category. So again, really looking at what suits your application and uh, choosing and selecting whether you want something that's more sophisticated or something that's more simplistic. So these are really interesting points, Tony, and, and I think you, you know, you're right to identify that uh, in, a, in a time where there's a lot of pressure on plant operator, operations and maintenance personnel to reduce costs, it's easy to be seduced by uh, a cheap sensor that you can think can do the job. But the reality is, is you, know, you, you need to actually see whether it's fit for purpose and whether it's got the durability that industrial processes require. So there's a really, really valuable points there. You've, you've got to pick the right technology for the right application. Absolutely, Sean. I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's uh, very much a case of where you need to know what type of technology is suited to your application to make the correct decision such that you have reliable information of the application that you're monitoring for pressure or temperature for that matter. Now, thanks, Tony. Now, look, there's so much more that we could uh, we could uh, go through here, but uh, I think we're going to have to wind up for today. So, Tony, very, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Sean, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, so thank you all much for, very much for, uh, for joining us today, and, and please join us again for part two of this series of Yokogawa debunks on, around pressure and temperature transmitters, where Tony will continue busting myths with us. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.